Yeah, that's pretty much you described our show. Like I'm the loud one and Paul's just like, <laughs> oh, man, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I keep dialing him in? <laughs> hey, if uh, you're listening live, uh, good evening and welcome to Montreal Sauce. Uh, this is a show where we talk to makers, people who create rad stuff. If you're not listening live, well, you can always tune in live every Thursday night at, uh, let's see, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Mountain. You get the idea. Uh, <laughs> my name is Chris, and I'm here because the evil genius behind the show knows that sex sells. It's true. Yes. I'm just the candy coating. The genius is Paul. Paul, you should give a <laughs> shout out to the listeners. Hello, listeners. How are you tonight? <laughs> Um, if you're new to our podcast, well, you've got a lot in common with our guest tonight, Christian. Um, Christian comes to us from New York City. Well, New York. Yeah. And uh, I'm not uh, fancy enough to have like an army of uh, interns and PAs to, uh, to do the research. So I think it's better if you introduce yourself, Christian. Tell everybody uh, what you do. Uh, well, I'm a... 3D generalist uh, people. It's just easiest to tell people that I'm an animator because that's what they mostly understand. But there's a lot that goes into 3D, so I'm uh, I'm actually a 3D generalist. Nice. Yeah. Do you have that like? Do you have like a big like rebel flag and an O1 painted on the side of your car, like the General Lee? Unfortunately, I don't have the General Lee. Dodge Charger, 1968 Dodge Charger. Whoa. But, <laughs> but it's a pretty, pretty awesome car. I'd love to have it. <laughs> I won't lie. Nice. Uh, so, um, yeah, 3D. See, I, I was thinking, I have in my notes, like, for some reason, I think because I just wanted to have good notes for mm-hmm. once. Um, to discuss like how we met, which was really ridiculous because we met at the Blue Lake Fine Arts Camp in Michigan. <laughs> yes, the Blue Lakes <laughs> Fine Art Camp, where we were. What exactly were we? That's I don't, a good question. What did what was our job title? I don't even remember. It was um, state. Was it stage something? Stage support or something? Maybe. Maybe. I, I just remember when I quit that job along with everyone else, <laughs> except for you, because I think you had quit the week before. Um, yeah. When we quit, we wrote this huge manifesto about and we gathered up our hours because I do remember. I don't remember what the job title was, but I remember we made $100 a week plus room and board because it was a camp. And yes. Christian was the smart one who didn't do the room and board and we were all like, well, he's crazy because we're getting like free food and we get to sleep here. But that also meant like they could call us at any time of the day and make us work. And Christian left at like four 30. <laughs> <laughs> Did I leave at four 30? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. I don't remember. Yeah. That was a crazy job. But yeah, I remember we tallied the hours and we made something like 86 cents an hour or something for the like, couple months that we worked there yeah it was was, fun though it was fun but our job basically paul our job consisted of like 
um, Blue Lakes Fine Arts Camp, if you've never been there, has all these little like, uh, what do you want to call them, like gazebos or little like areas around the camp because it's a camp. Sure. Um, but and those are basically just rehearsal spots because it's a camp for kids who are um, in bands and do music. And so <laughs> they don't have enough like chairs or they don't want to leave them out in the elements. Um, so then basically our job was to like drive around and deliver chairs to these spots before like the rehearsal kids showed up. <laughs> and also, also clean them out. Yes. With the, the leaf blowers. Yeah. Yes. And then occasionally we got to deliver timpanis because those things are huge and um, <laughs> you can't trust like an eight-year-old to wheel it around a dirt road camp. So, sure, yeah. So that was fun. And we did a lot of like chair bowling, if I remember correctly. Like we they did. never said we had to ch- set up the chairs, so we just would throw them at the spot and leave. <laughs> <laughs> or throw them into the, the van. Yes, that's right. Packing the van, the van would just be a mess of chairs. It was, yeah. And and we all had our roles. Like Christian was the only one who could start like um, one of the leaf blowers. No one else could start that thing. Yeah, we had a name (laughs) for it. I don't remember what the name was. I I remember it was a curse word of some kind or dirty something, but I remember it was. It was. I remember now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And. uh, and I was the only one who could drive the van, one of the vans, because it was like three on the tree. Yes. <laughs> Eventually, right. by the end of our time there, someone else had caught on and figured it out. So, but that used to be my like own personal transportation on the <laughs> on the on the campgrounds <laughs> because like no one else could figure out how to drive that thing. Right. And I, did you have a white S10 pickup back then? I did, and at first I was like, I'll just use my truck because this is cool. But then I was like, I'm not going to use my gas. That's stupid. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, remember how they if, if they had something to throw away? Remember where they would throw it? No. <laughs> this is horrible. But the, the lake is actually full of garbage. Oh. Right? Right. It's, like, full of, like, chairs and, like, old nasty, like, desks and things that they just they couldn't actually go and have them taken to the actual garbage dump because that would cost money right so yeah yeah that that is kind of sad yeah that was one of the sad things about that place but that's the price for art man (laughs) it is and you know art doesn't come cheap so (laughs) this is true (laughs) <laughs> You're pitting does. art versus the environment. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but labor comes cheap. That's for sure. We we should uh, – that should be like the new like uh, GOP-like thing. They should just like pit like art against uh, climate change. <laughs> <laughs> we can try to fix climate change, but I guess we'll have to get rid of theater. I am. <laughs> yep. No more John Claude Van Damme movies because we have to save the environment. <laughs> <laughs> There's like 30 people listening going, okay, I'm cool with that. <laughs> and three going, I'm not going to listen to this show anymore. 
And after after that time, I seem to have in my memory lane notes that I <laughs> I remember for whatever reason um, Christian when he decided to go on this path of three uh, D animation, he invested uh, heavily into like an Uber Mac, and I remember being at your house and we used your fancy Macintosh computer to capture like a bit of Braveheart and then dub in our own sound or something crazy. <laughs> we did it. It was the uh, Avid version back then of like a, I don't remember. It was, it wasn't, um, it wasn't like a full, full Mac, like the big, like the main Mac, Power Mac. It was like, uh, this other version that was like a step below, but it, it had the Avid on it, like something that uh, everyone could use, you know. So, so yeah, we, we uh, it was actually twenty four hundred dollars. Remember? So we actually, yeah, we used it to capture. I captured a couple different things, but nothing. Never really used it for anything because it was pretty low res, if I remember correctly, and it could only capture thirty minutes because it only had two gigs. Wow. Two yeah. gigs of space. Yeah. I remember it was like multiple pieces. Like there was like a whole separate avid piece, I think, wasn't there? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Like you had to have an external box that that jacked in to do the actual capture stuff? I think yeah. 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 Yeah, I like, think that thing was like as big as the computer. <laughs> <laughs> it was sweet though. It but we was. never did anything with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, we stared at it. Um, we stared at it from the couch while we were playing like PlayStation One games. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> you could take my awesome. land, but you could never take my Twinkies. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, yeah. pretty much what we did, and we thought it was like the coolest thing ever. And it probably to dub in that audio took like. 40 minutes yeah exactly <laughs> and once we were done like and it rendered we were like this is the most fabulous thing ever yeah it was yeah way back in the days of aol and dialogue yes yeah so uh yeah from there um you ended up uh, going to the savannah college of art and design i SCAD. did Yes, gas. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I did. Uh, and uh, basically, I took what I had transferred from Muskegon Community College, which was a great education, actually. Uh, I transferred from there to SCAD, and they gave me basically a year and one class, uh, and I had almost my degree from I was one one credit short of a degree from MCC so but they only gave me one year and one class and then a credit and so I had to I basically did three years and a year and a half at SCAD so because I didn't like Savannah so I didn't like <laughs> the South so I wanted to get out and I I worked really hard at, for about a year and a half and then left. I didn't even go. I didn't even stay for my last day of class. I put my projects into the teachers' boxes and said, "I have to go." Bye. <laughs> <laughs> and 
and left. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, um, it was a good experience, but it was very expensive. And uh, if, you know, if somebody's going to go into 3D, I would say just learn it on your own. It's not really worth the money at this point in time because I think at that time I was paying, I paid like 14000 a year, which was another reason why I wanted to get out quickly. Um, but now it's like over 20 something and it's just like way overpriced for learning anything in the art, <laughs> I think. Is but, it the kind of field where you feel like if you come to the table with a good portfolio, then you're, you're going to land, uh, land a job and be able to work your way up. Whereas other fields, you kind of need that degree to even get your foot in the door. I think there is some, some of that, but the, you know, even now I, if someone was good, wanted to go into 3d, I would say don't do it unless if you're looking to get into a job that's like, um, more niche, like if you wanted to do some like medical stuff or something like specialty. Uh, but if you're going to go into visual effects or video games or even commercials, it's just gotten, you know, saturated with people and there's just no, the jobs aren't there anymore. Like you can't even get started. You'd be lucky to even get an internship. So Mm. Mm. it just isn't, I mean, in these like SCAD and there's a school year, um, I can't remember the name of it, but it's it's one of the ones that like competes with SCAD. They just churn out. It's like their main thing is like these 3D students. It's like their biggest. Um, it's major. almost become like a trade or technical school rather than a rather than like a liberal arts kind of school. Well, they still teach you the art part of it, but you know, it's just like they churn out these students every year, and and these students have no idea what they're getting themselves into whatsoever. You know, it's like they get in, they come out of the world and they don't even know that they're going to be freelance most of the time. Like that's what 90% of us are is freelance, maybe even more. And most of them don't even have an idea of what that means. You know, they don't know how to build. They don't know how to like, how to take care of their taxes, how to like run a business, any of that stuff that you need to know when you're kind of freelance. So it's like, um, I don't know. It's just, it's just crazy. And there's just too many of them coming out and there's no jobs. So it's not like, I mean, when I graduated in 2001, it wasn't so bad. Like when I got out, obviously there was nine 11 that would have happened and the economy took a dip for a while and I couldn't find a job for about a year. But then uh, if I had moved to New York at 2002, I would have been doing very well. Mm. Uh, because things really like boomed from 2002 to like 2008 things were like crazy for 3d artists and now it's just like after the crash just took a little bit 2009 was okay and then all of a sudden 2010 things started to kind of like shift in a big way where like places started to go under which means as a freelancer there's no way for you to get your money back if you work there and you didn't get paid uh, once place goes out of business. So, right. Right. um, so that happens even today still. So, I mean, there's this whole crazy like hold system that everyone wants your first hold. And if they get second hold, they, they most likely won't call you unless, you know, there's absolutely no one else. And so, but the problem is you, you only have one first hold, right? So, right. 
Yeah. <laughs> so the chance, and they don't, they don't care if they have a job coming in or not. They just keep your first hold regardless. So it's just like this thing that kind of, you don't want to give out first hold. Like everybody skips second holds because it was safe, you know, but now everybody wants first holds. So if you don't give out your first hold, you kind of feel like, ah, this person's probably not going to call me back if they do get work. And you're just kind of like in this weird place of like not enough work for the amount of people. So what does that what does that generally mean? That's that's along the lines of like their their hold. You are going to get their first priority. They they are going to be your first priority if they give you a job. Is essentially what first hold means. Well, basically, like if you like first hold, say like uh, if I. If a company wants my first hold, that means that, yeah, they get priority over anyone else. So if someone else wants to book me, I have to ask that company, do you want uh, a release? Gotcha. And for them, it's like a guarantee that I'll be available when they call. Yep. So I don't so really they have like basically first right of refusal. They can exactly. They can force you to turn down a job because they think they need you for something in the near exactly. future. Exactly. And they uh... – and you don't get any sort of like financial benefit from that. It's all them, right? Yeah, none whatsoever. Wow. No, yeah. Yeah. So it's just like you're kind of like, I don't know. It's just it's a different kind of world. It, it was much better when like, you know, people were calling you all the time and it wasn't such a big deal. But now it's like the, it's just so rare. Like for some people, obviously, they stay pretty busy and others it's just like well you know here and there you get calls but sure it's not like it used to be and uh even someone like me who's been in the industry for so long it's like i've kind of fallen off the radar for a lot of studios and um it's i don't get as many calls as i used to and i'm not good at like um networking so that doesn't help me either <laughs> it's uh i think i remember when you first started the challenge was because like you said, there was sort of a boom. It was like every, I think you told me every student that was coming out of schools was doing work for free so they could build their portfolio. So it was hard to find like paying jobs back then. Well, it was like, it's hard. It was hard to, yeah. Like when you first start, it's really hard to find someone who will give you a chance or like you basically need a referral from someone like in the, in the industry. And that was how it was back then. It's still kind of like that. Um, I didn't even have a reel to start. Like, I didn't show my reel around uh, when I started. I just had, like, stuff on a CD. And I, I gave it to someone who would, uh, they, uh, they referred, my friend referred me to Stardust. And then I gave them my CD with, with just clips of stuff I was working on from home. I mean, this is stuff that I had done on my own. And uh, they hired me, but like that's unheard of now. I mean, no way that would ever happen now. Like it, it just wouldn't. So um, yeah. it was definitely a different time. And so the the job market is kind of um, flooded too, because a lot of the work at U of I have discussed is going overseas now to India and other places. Mainly, actually, it's going to Vancouver, Canada. <laughs> uh, yeah. The, um, well, the subsidies are really pushing things uh, in the visual effects, which is mostly where the 3D work is at. I mean, um, you get some video games, and that's go that's a growing 
market for sure as video games will be growing in the next few years with the Oculus coming out and all this stuff. And I don't know, I think I saw a clip today of like how Fidelity was working on this Oculus thing, uh, like a, some sort of like world they're building based on companies you could invest in. And it's like this whole interactive thing. So um, 3D is definitely going to be growing more. But I don't know in what capacity because I don't know like what they're using to do it exactly, like what programs are like. Sure, right. Um, so it's it's probably you know I'm not I'm not gonna say it's Maya probably not I don't know like it might be more web based stuff like Unity or something I don't know mm -hmm. so it's just hard to say and, and um, so I'm not really sure where things are going but. For visual effects, um, everything's going to Vancouver right now, and that's because of the subsidies. And and honestly, that's when the subsidies stop, then it'll be somewhere else, you know. And that's they're just chasing money right now. This movie studios are. Yeah, so. I mean, uh, you know, that Michigan film credit for a while was like a big boon for people in Michigan, but if you if you look at like 3D, um, it's it's not exactly as much of a. I mean, I'm sure Vancouver is doing well, but it's one of those things where I mean, you look at that. Uh, what was it? That Oscar-winning movie, Life of Pi. Like, yeah, the, the visual company that did that movie like went under business. Like, <laughs> well, this they, is the thing, right? Is is the visual company, the VFX company that does that work, doesn't get the money? That's the whole thing. Is like actually. Warner Brothers gets the money or like, you know, these companies that are flush with cash get the money and, and the company and the, the companies that actually do the visual effects, they don't get any of that money. Right, right. Because the studios are big enough and, and old enough that they know how to, they generally know how to play the game. And so they structure these deals with the VFX companies and the, and the VFX companies are probably hoping, well, we'll get more work out of this once people see what great stuff we do, but then they go under before they have that opportunity, right? That's part of it. And I think they actually, the, uh, movie, you know, the movie studios, they have, uh, a lot of power and money in governments. So they push for these subsidies. So somehow the language gets turned so that they get the money. And sure. And so yep. they they basically force these companies to open its studios wherever they get subsidies. So then the studios are opening all these companies, like for instance, Rhythm and Hughes, who worked on Life right. of Pi, they opened up studios in um, India, they opened up studios in Taiwan, they opened up studios, you know, in Vancouver and LA, and and it just overextended, you know. They couldn't. They spent so much money on opening studios, all these places that they couldn't afford to keep them open. You know, it's just they crashed. So uh, that's basically the story of almost all of them. Digital domains, the same thing. And I don't know. It, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I was just gonna say it's just fascinating how it's sort of like built like the whole sort of business structure around uh, 3D is sort of built in that like sort of 
I don't know how to describe it like that awful way. Like you have to say like, I'm going to be on hold for you and not take any other jobs. And then like the company that you work for has to say, oh, we're going to open an office here because there's subsidies here. And it's just like everybody, it's like this dwindle down effect of like treating people poorly. <laughs> yeah, it is. And like people work really long hours and it's just, it, it, it just gets, it just grinds on you so bad. It doesn't matter which place we're talking about. They're all, they're all cut from the same cloth. And the sad part is, is like, no one is like, you know, no one's saying anything about it. And, and like directors, all these powerful directors could be, you know, saying something about it. But of course they're not because, you know, that's, that's a threat to their art, right? And what's more important than their art and what they have to say, even though they're so, you know, they're, <laughs> they're already so successful. It's like crazy, but, um, it's kind of disappointing in a lot of ways. And even like during the life of Pi uh, Academy award, when they won the, the actual award, if you watch, if you ever have a chance to watch, it, I'm sure it's online that they actually cut off the visual effects guys when they're starting to say something about rhythm and hues in the state of the industry. So it's just like, it's total disrespect. And then Ang Lee doesn't say anything about thanks to visual effects because movies like 90% visual effects and the guy who won cinematography who shouldn't, who had nothing basically just brought out the camera because it was all <laughs> done in CG beforehand and he had nothing to do with it. It was something that the CG supervisor and Ang Lee worked out every shot, almost every shot of that movie <laughs> was worked out before they actually shot it. So it's just as crazy. He didn't even say thank you to the visual effects people. It was like insane, right? So it's just, but at the same time, it's like these people, you know, people that I know, they don't, they won't unionize, which, and now at this point in time, there's just no power anymore. Like it's just gone. We don't even have the leverage. So, they they squandered it. They had a chance to unionize and change things, and they they, you know, people have been trying to get us to unionize for years, and there's no one like, you know, everybody's afraid of unions or afraid of this or say, you know, I've actually heard, I've actually seen people writing comments like, oh maybe you know if there was some other way we could organize or get together besides a union and. <laughs> and it's like, what are you talking? Are you an idiot? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just really sad. It would even benefit the studios to to force us to unionize. You know what I mean? It's like because they're not making money either, and it would actually standardize everybody's pay, and and you would know like if you're getting a good worker or not, and like you know it would just make things better for them. It'd make things better for the worker. The only ones who would would get the shaft would be the movie studios because I mean, that's what they're afraid of, right? Is everybody unionizing because then it's right. like they've already got power. too many unions to deal with. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's just, it, so it just, I don't know. Like if I had owned a studio like there, it's like some of the studios do like promote unionizing, but it seems like all the studios would, would just want to do that because like, if you do that, then there's like, it just benefits you, you know, because if you have the right contracts in place, then you're going to get the work, you know, 
as a studio, it's going to be harder for like a smaller studio to undercut you because they're not part of the union. So it's not going to be like, they won't be able to get the big work, but, uh, but it just, it just never worked out that way. And, and, uh, most of the companies now visual effects have gone out of business and I think there's only Sony left, uh, ILM and Weta. They're basically all that's left and they're not, they're not going to unionize. There's no way. So, yeah. Just, During all that, you just made me think of, uh, for whatever reason, it's a terrible obsession of mine, but, um, the writer's strike in the 80s and some of the actors who joined in. So then we lost Bo and Luke Duke and were replaced with Coy and Vance. So <laughs> yeah. I was just imagining like if all the 3D artists like uh, grew a pair and decided to like um, strike and then we got like scab animators to like the next episode of like Star Wars Clone Wars looks like an old school South Park. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I mean, it's those the, actually those Star Wars are actually made in Singapore, I believe, and um, they're pretty amazing for a half hour show. It was like when I first saw those, I was like, "Wow, that's really well done." I mean, the story's ho- horrible, but the, the <laughs> he is actually pretty decent for yeah. like a weekly show. So it was pretty impressive. And there's a, there was like some other shows that came out of China as well that were equally impressive, just kids shows and. I was just like, wow, there hasn't been anyone here that's been able to do that at all, like even come close to that quality. So it was, it was kind of impressive. Um, so you said you're a generalist, but there, I remember, I remember like it just really, there's so many different positions in 3D, like when you're on like a huge project, like in film we have like the cinematographer and grips and rigging and things like that. I mean, in 3d, like you can just specialize in lighting, can't you? Yeah. There's basically lighting. Um, I imagine there's, there's, uh, in the bigger like films, there's the render, um, what uh, the editing from just someone that renders it's the render button, make sure everything's rendered. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's the fun one, right? Uh, and then, uh, animator, the riggers, uh, effects artists, and modeling. I imagine there's, yeah, modeling and there's probably specialties within visual, uh, the actual effects like water, fluid sim stuff and like particle specialist or something, you know, so there's quite a bit. Yeah. Ooh, particles. That'd be fun for the render button person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> this look right i don't know (laughs) in university somebody wanted like space to be like outside the window of something because they were doing a space comedy and Mm -hmm. i volunteered because i was like i think i might try to poke at 3d and of course i had never taken a 3d class so i just opened up blender and uh i remember it rendered for like three days and it was like an eight second (laughs) clip (laughs) right but I was like, I'm just going to do particles. And then once I did like a tutorial and figured it out, I'm like, yeah, that looks kind of like space. And I thought it was kind of boring. So I made it look, you know, nebula, like a nebula with different colors right. and stuff. And I was like, there we go. And I moved the camera and yeah, it like rendered for eight hours while I was at work. And then I went back <laughs> and I was like, 
I like scheduled that room because I worked at the university. <laughs> I scheduled that room for the next day. I'm like, oh, no one can go in that room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How long ago was that? Oh, that was like probably like 2003 or something like that. Right. Do they yeah. still – I remember I just probably reading stories online, but I remember reading things like – like how much power rendering takes like um do they still because of uh computers have advanced so much but are they still do they still have like render farms and things like that uh they do and uh the the thing is sure enough computers have come up you know pretty far but quality has increased quite a bit for visual effects but also like the size is increasing ever increasing <laughs> yep. i mean we're talking like you know at first we're rendering you know 640 by 480 and then it's um hd and and now they're talking for uh 4k and even <laughs> 8k right so yep yep it just it just keeps going it just yeah <laughs> so so um I know you do a lot of like corporate stuff and things like that uh, in New York, um, commercial work. Uh, do you guys, well, I've seen some of your projects. I imagine some of them would get sent out to render farms. No, most of the shops have render farms in house house. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of places like the, you know, it's, it, there's like, it's weird. Cause like when, you know, I started, obviously things took a really long time to render and now things, seem to render faster right now because really we're only doing HD and the computers have kind of surpassed HD. Right. So sure. But once 4k hits, then we're going to be hitting a wall again where things are like slow again and, and you know, we're basically chunking through that stuff and it will really take a long time to render that stuff. Cause like you're talking about like, Oh, what is it? Every like, even from just eight, double the size, it's going to take. It's exponential, so it's yeah. not. It's not just double. It's actually like quadruple right. the time. Yep. So, and then if you go to eight K, it's like it ends up being uh, <laughs> eight eight times as much as HD because you've you've doubled and then you've doubled again. Exactly, and like you said, it's exponential, so it's like two cubed instead. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, once in a while we see a 4k project, but it still isn't really that, you know, that big of a deal. I mean, it's not out there yet. So I can't wait. I mean, just think of like the weird, like, um, fetish websites that'll sprout up after 8k takes over the world. Oh yeah. <laughs> There'll be oh, guys yeah. who'll be like, I'm not a leg man. I'm not a breast man. I like that sort of peach fuzz on a lady's ear. <laughs> <laughs> you can only see that at 8k right. man. But I think in movies though, they're, they're doing 4k stuff. So that's not unheard of. So yeah, they've always had to do 4k. Yeah, they're trying to. Well, there's a lot of theaters that have 4K projectors now, um, but they're yeah. trying, probably trying to f- future proof against 4K being in being in TVs as those become more reasonable to to buy. Even though we haven't figured out how to actually put 4K on them yet, um, right? Yeah, that's 
I I don't know about that. At some point, we're gonna as consumers, we're gonna be like, just like the theaters, we're gonna be sucked into this. Like, oh, you can't afford a TV anymore; you just have to rent one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's kind of funny because, like, to actually get like 4K, to actually see 4K, you have to have like a huge TV already, right? So, if you want to go 8K. And you want to see it by eye? It's got to be a really, really big TV, and it just—it's almost pointless to go 8K in your house. I mean, your TV would have to be so big; it just right. doesn't make right. sense. I remember uh, when shopping for an HD TV originally. The first, my first HD TV, I was comparing the difference between 720p TVs and 1080p TVs because that was a thing to worry about at the time, and. Uh, and it was like, well, for the size of TV that I'm worried about, it doesn't even matter. Like, it, if I'm just getting a 27-inch TV, I'm not going to see the difference between 720p and 1080p for how far back I'm going to be sitting from my TV. Exactly. So if I get like a 40-inch TV, then I'll probably notice. And, and maybe on a 50-inch TV, I'll see the difference between HD and 4K, but I still won't see the difference between 4K and 8K until – you know, unless I decide to sit way closer to the TV, right? So right, exactly. So it's just I don't know. I had some I read somewhere that you can't see 1080. Like you're not going to be able to tell the difference between 1080 and and 720. Anything below 30 inches, like you just can't visually. You won't. You right. won't see it. Right. So if you're sitting a logical distance away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it just doesn't. It's kind of crazy. To go 8K, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so I, I, what I'm interested to see is like when, like right now everything's running 72 DPI, but what happens when we go double that to 150, right? Because one 150 will be the next DPI, I would think. Sure. And, yeah. And then we're talking about some crazy render times. I mean, that's like, yeah, we'll see how long that takes, but. That's it, I don't see the point of going much bigger than 8K, like, but I could see them actually doubling the the DPI. Yeah, I don't. That's like you said. I just don't know at what point like they need to keep going because I always laugh too because then they come out with like, oh well, you know. We're going to, this is, you know, you want to get rid of that old projector you have because this is an HD one. Well, it's a projector. Depending on right. how far away the wall is, it's not even going to matter how clear it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what always so. gets me when, like, when, when when radio tries to, like, compete or, or like, they try to throw this technology into projectors. I love, like, when they're like, oh, this radio station's in HD. Well, what does that mean exactly? <laughs> 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 Yeah. So my uh, my primary experience with uh, experimenting with 3D on my own was uh, was in high school uh, in the late 90s. Uh, I had a very powerful 486 uh, that I ran Pavre on the Persistence of Vision Ray Tracer, which was uh, freeware, Ooh. open source. Nice. Uh, and I, of course, uh, tried to create a uh, uh, basically the Starship Enterprise against a against a star field, um, and I rendered one shot of it flying toward the camera, and the camera was rotating a little bit. 
So, and I threw a lens flare in there, preempting J.J. Abrams, I'll have you know. Um, and it took about a week and a half to render, uh, like, a five-second shot. Nice. Because <laughs> I wanted it to be, like you said, I wanted it to be, like, 640 by 480 and 30 frames a second. So right. it would take, like, a day to render a frame. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a long time ago. Yep, yep. And Pavre did not have any real gooey, like, modeling to it. There was there was kind of a thing that would give you, like, here's here's what the, the shape that you fed me looks like right now, but you, you pretty much had to code uh, your shapes <laughs> by hand. It wasn't really, like, drag and drop, stretch shapes around, you know, play with them with the mouse. It was, right. it was more like... It looked. It almost looked like HTML. There were lots of angle brackets involved. Right. That's crazy. Yeah, I remember. Actually, right before I moved to Canada, um, my mother had unearthed some stuff from the attic, and she had given me like I used to have a subscription as a Christmas present from various relatives that just kept continuing to the magazine Compute for my Commodore 64. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and she uh, dug them out not long, like a couple months before I moved away. And she's like, oh, you, do you want these? And I just went through the box and I pulled stuff aside to scan it. But I think before I moved, I was like, am I ever going to do this? Probably not. But I remember there was, uh, just when you said that, there was like an the front cover for one of the magazines. And I think I've seen it online even is um, – like worse than an eight bit um, drawing of a fire hydrant, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and there's like a dog in the computer chair, like looking at the computer screen, and they're like, "It's so real." <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, the old days. Yeah. So, um, do you do you think uh, you've kind of shared? Uh, a lot about uh, 3D, but do you think it takes like a certain kind of person to work in 3D? Because uh, recently I took this little, it was my uh, bit at like a romantic date with me and the wife. I took her to the library and we took a class on 3D printing. <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, and she was just like, when we left, I was like, what'd you think? And she was like, I can't, that I I was getting so lost because she's just like, she's like, my brain does not work in three dimensions on the computer screen. It's like, so <laughs> it did not orient well. Um, do you think it takes a certain kind of person or? Anybody? I just think it takes a little bit of practice. That's all. Yeah. I mean, it's just a Z, <clears throat> it's just a Z axis. That's all. <laughs> right. So it's a one, one more axis. That's all. It definitely took me a while. Um, to get it as well like uh, I've done some projects um, in faux 3D with After Effects but uh, it definitely took me a while and After Effects like and I, I assume a lot of 3D software has the same where like you can have up multiple views so you can see what you're working on for multiple views and right. this, this free software we're using for 3D printing um, I think it's uh, AutoCAD just bought them it's Tinkercard dot com but they uh or tinkercad um but they don't 
when you're moving around, you can't like have multiple views. So, but it's all web based, so you don't download anything. That's pretty sweet. That's cool. I mean, I, I, most of the time, I don't. I'm not gonna say like I don't use the four views, but most of the time, I don't really get into the four views. You know, I mean, I use them one. You know, just to check, make sure. Like, yeah, that's you know things are perfect, but like otherwise, I'm usually in the actual, you know, one camera. That that's the same for me. It's uh, it just those four views to go back and like check, especially when you're like putting things on the same spot together. <laughs> it's like, right. oh, that's not in the same Z space at all. <laughs> yeah, and then there's like the certain programs are much better about moving around in three D than others i i find maya's like very good but like photoshop when it had like they had like some obj import thing where you could uh paint on the the object itself in photoshop so it's basically you know 3d in photoshop their camera was so bad you couldn't even navigate and Mm. um 3d max also is like can be kind of confusing sometimes when i'm using it so what's uh, – because uh, you were talking about how most people are freelance, what's like a typical job like? I mean you hop on a team that's sort of like already working because everyone's freelance or – No, I mean it's like all these little start. – they're like all these little startups, right? And nobody – like well, back in the day, nobody really wanted to hire because it just – benefits and yeah i mean all that stuff they save money by not doing that so they don't have to play unemployment they don't have you know all these things that go along with with being an employee well and you have to also be a fairly established business (laughs) to to make that to make that investment in setting up all your infrastructure like hr and all of that kind of stuff to actually hire people well, I mean, if you're only going to hire three people, you know what I mean? It's like usually yeah, right. when I walked into places, there were the teams were fairly small, you know? So, um, even when I, like when I was at Stardust for like five years, they rarely have like huge teams, you know, it was mostly just like a few people, you know, and then they grew and, and then they went out of business, you know? It, um, but I think like, it just it really did save them money that they they just didn't have to to hire us they didn't have to pay our taxes they you know all that yep. kind of stuff so yep. uh but they had a lot of money coming in i mean you're talking about like a profit margin of probably like 30 to 50% or more per project so these guys got rich pretty fast you know mm. and um but then obviously like the the money just went away i mean what didn't happened? reinvest that back into the company well. They just well, took no. it more or less. Yeah, they just they just took it and they also I mean these guys aren't businessmen, so they don't really some of them yeah. spend it, some of them like you know, whatever. But um and after the crash, like a lot of money just spread out. Like it went out of commercials and into like web like different different areas in the web and and that's where it's basically still at. And like, there aren't like that many big, um, commercials anymore. 
like very few. And some of the big ones like car commercials are like huge still. I mean, they're, they're good money makers for those studios and there aren't many others really left. And I think really probably the biggest thing still that like a small studio can live off from would be product because product has always paid. And it's just like this demo, weird demo work in commercials mm-hmm. during commercials. Like they want to show makeup, how beautiful makeup is or something. You know what I mean? It's just mm-hmm. like when they show that, like whatever close up of the makeup and it just, that stuff pays good money. But, um, most spots now they don't even like full 3d spots or like 3d spots. They don't, they don't make any money off them. Most of the time they're losing money or they're making 15% on a good, like a good spot, you know, Hmm. like, and that's not that great because like when they work on some like simple 2d, like after effects spot, they could make like, you know, up to like 80% profit margin. So for them, for most studios to even take a 3d, 3d spot, it's just almost, you know, they'll do it, but they, they don't, they don't expect to make much money. If any, they'll just do it to sometimes keep staff busy. So you just, uh, you show up with a couple of guys and you guys end up doing all the modeling and rigging and lighting and then they render it in house to be, that's how it used to be. Like it would just be like, sometimes they would hire us and we walk in and, um, we'd be there from the start of the project. And sometimes nowadays it's more like we walk in halfway through. Sometimes I'm there from the start. I'll do previs and then work through the project. Um, but it's pretty rare these days because they like, they'll just want to do that stuff in house as far as they can. And, uh, right. Cause like, regardless, like now, like there, most of the shops around are more established shops now and, and they know they need to have people on staff if they're really going to do anything, you know, so they'll have like two or three, three D people sitting there and literally they'll just, if they're doing nothing a lot of times, most of the days. And so they want to keep them like busy. So, and then they, you walk in and they tape the camera on your phone and then you start working. <laughs> exactly. That, that was for Amazon, the Amazon phone. Yeah. And oh. there was also, there was also a, a security guard there. Wow. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. For a failed phone. phone. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. That's something to ask the echo when you get it in the mail. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, that's, um, so, uh, your next adventure then is to, um, do your own startup, right? Yes. And I have to say it's a, it's an immense amount of work. I, (laughs) I, I just, I, I don't think people even understand like what that all entails. You know, it just, until you actually do it, I've learned a lot and I've definitely enjoyed it overall, but it's been, um, it's, it's right now it's just taking all of my, every moment of my time that I have that's free. I I don't even hang around friends anymore. I just, (laughs) I just work all the time. Hmm. I come home and I work from work. When I get home from work, I work until I go to bed and do it every day. Thanks for 
Thanks for joining us, by the way, because I know you're supposed to be working right now and you worked yeah. later the last couple of days instead. Exactly. So it's just it's a lot of work and uh, it's hopefully it'll pay off. And I don't know for sure. I imagine it will, but we'll see. Like, you know, you never know. You know, obviously, like, um, and not if you if you're gonna do something like this, it's it's best not to like be in a relationship or like have a life or <laughs> expect to have a life or or uh, anything like that because it just takes so much time. Unless if you kind of find some other niche that um, that maybe doesn't take so much work, but um, I mean, I, I've been listening to these startup videos while I'm working at work. And every one of them says it takes a lot of hard work, and and um, there's also also like your partners are very important, and and there's they all say too is like usually one of the partners is the one that pushes like to get the thing done, you know it's like, and I yeah. think I'm that yep. I'm I'm that guy, so <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I I just it's pretty exhausting. So hopefully like we are launching in February, it's a website. So, um, and, uh, yeah, I, I have high hopes. I hope it pays off because honestly the 3d thing isn't going to pay off much longer. <laughs> I don't think the way the industry is falling apart. So, yeah. Do you, uh, do you want to share sort of like what you're getting yourself into your website or no? Uh, sure. Um, <laughs> it's but, basically an image based, uh, website subscription based per, uh, model. So for uh, a month, like people will pay like eight, maybe seven or eight bucks and be able to download, you know, as many images as they want, almost up to 200 megabytes. So they're basically paying for bandwidth instead of per image. Mm. Um, and you're focused on sort of on, cre yeah, creatives and 3D market? Exactly, like more textures and stuff like that. So um, I definitely want to expand that into other things as, you know, as we've – right now I just want to get 50,000 textures and then from there kind of expand into other things. So – but so there's, that's, yeah. that's where all the work has been coming in because you're taking all these photos and editing them. and. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's taken me a long time just to, to even get the photos. I think I have somewhere around 20,000 photos. And um, it's taken me roughly, man, almost two years to get all those. Uh, and then... Now editing them is the, the you know very time consuming part, and, and already taking them was time consuming enough, right? So I had to go all over the world to get these photos. <laughs> <laughs> so I I literally went all, all around the world to get photos and uh, and across the U.S. and um, and now it's just editing them. So for me, that's uh, that's what I'm doing all the time is editing almost on top of like figuring out other things about this website that, you know, we need to figure out. And, um, 
I think mostly, you know, my focus has been just the edit. And then one of my partners, he's kind of like looking into other things that need to be done as well. So I can just like more focus on editing, but he had to, he had a, he edits as well. He doesn't have as many, quite as many as I do. So yeah, it's been, it's been, uh, it's been cool, but it's been a lot of work. Like I said, it's just, it's really cool to like be able to build something, uh, and, and have that hopefully save you from, from the industry you're, you're working in. <laughs> uh, it's been it, like, I have to say without the website, I probably would have a very hard time getting up every morning because, um, the 3d thing has definitely been, uh, it didn't really pan out the way that I was hoping. So. Well, you had some good years, but now you have a new passion. Exactly. I mean, it's, you know, I don't know. I was hoping it always become more of a storyteller, but it just, it's just strange the way this industry is. It's not, if you work, I mean, if you go into like, into the, creative industry and you want to be a creative that's what you say you are from the beginning and that's uh, really people don't work their way up anymore they just say i'm this and that's what they are and it's just very strange to me i don't know <laughs> so no, i get what yeah. you're saying i feel like the internet uh, is kind of that way like i'll just uh, i feel like it's um i feel like i'm not being very positive and being sort of mean but <laughs> there's there's times when I just like find myself on a website and this person is like, oh yeah, check out my ebook and um, I can teach you how to podcast and I'm an expert and then I'm like, who are you? Like, I mean, there he could be pretty popular and pretty famous, but I feel like it like nowadays it's like. 85% of how you represent yourself and 15% of what you do. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. And like, and even like when I go, like when I go work at places, right, it's for some reason, it's, it's always the guy that's the loudest and acts like he knows the most. And maybe he doesn't really know it. He just acts like it. That gets the most respect, which is just so strange to me. Like, I mean, <laughs> there's all of us sitting around here that know more than he does, but like, we're not, we can't exactly call him out because then we would be the bad guy, right? So it's like, or yes. we'd be, you know, the guy that's causing trouble. So we just have to let this guy sit there and be loud and and proud, I guess, and just be like, all right, I guess, like whatever, you know. It's weird, <laughs> but um, yeah, that's pretty yeah, much you described our show. Like I'm the loud one, and Paul's just <laughs> like, oh man, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I keep dialing him in? <laughs> <laughs> I've I've hackered his computer. <laughs> I kind of I kind of feel like that's it's so different than when we grew up. I don't know, like, but I never like when I don't know. Maybe it's just I'm older and and smarter than I was, but I don't feel like um the loudest in the room got the most attention. You know what I mean? It wasn't like if someone's just talking loud and they, they, they act like they know what they're talking about, but then some, you know, they didn't necessarily, most people in the room knew the subject already, you know? Right. Yeah. You, your father and my father are very similar. Well, 
are very similar in that way because they're both sort of like soft spoken like if you know they don't have to say anything they just have to walk in the room and do that thing they're good at and everyone respects them exactly <laughs> that's, yeah that's kind of what we grew up with like you know there's like 10 people can sit around the garage and drink a beer and say, well, I could probably make your car run better. And your dad's not going to have any of it. He's just going to walk up and fix the carburetor and walk out. and be like, there. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. And, and so you just sort of like respect those people. And yeah, it's, I feel like, yeah, it's, it has something to do with like, um, I don't want to be, make it generational and say, oh, I'm an old fart. But I think there, it's a lot to do with like all of our social media and stuff. We spend so much time like representing ourselves these days. <laughs> no, it's true. And, and even as I'm listening to these startup, cause I listened, um, Stanford did these awesome startup videos, um, where they had people from like, you know, um, PayPal and like uh, uh, Airbnb and all these different successful startup companies come in and give a talk about a certain aspect of that startup. But the thing is, is like they're talking to people in their 20s, right? Because like people in their 20s are the ones doing the startups. It's not people in their 30s like they should be where they have like experience and they can like start a company with some sort of like head on their shoulders they're actually in their early 20s and if you're like in your later 20s you're basically too old you know (laughs) so it's crazy like i don't know if you guys ever watch um silicon valley on uh hbo yes but they yeah they basically address this in the in the show and i think the main guy's like a little older and he's like you're they're you're too old to start you know it's like it's just crazy to think that like these kids are like, you know, it, it literally twenty years old and starting uh, start up off some idea they they have for an app, you know. It's like um, the the startup model is like has had directly come from the music model, <laughs> the record yeah, companies. Like exactly, we don't want old it. people. Yeah, it's kind of it's a mix of they're too dumb to know that they could fail. Um, but there's, there's also the side of it that's like, they're too dumb to realize that I'm screwing them with this contract as well. You know, they're, yeah, investors definitely will get the better of them on this one. Right. (laughs) Right. On this one. But yeah, you know, nobody fools, uh, nobody fools them twice. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of, it's, it's really interesting because like a lot of these videos also is about managing people. And if you really watch them, it's basically how they can squeeze more out of their, the most out of their employees. You know, it's not even like how do you treat your employees? It's just about how you can squeeze more out. Like this whole attitude that that the U S seems to have about like labor, um, (laughs) and squeezing more out of labor, you know? And it's just like so weird. Like, I don't know. (laughs) It's it's a different mindset. Like, I don't know. It's all about dollars per employee. Yeah, exactly. So it, it, the the series is really good, though, and uh, um, it's really interesting and, and eye-opening on um, diff- a lot of different levels. Sweet. I will uh, look that up or get the link and put it in the show notes for the listeners. Yeah, I'll send it to you. Awesome. Yeah, I could probably do with a listen to that as well. <laughs> yeah, there's like 15 parts, and I think the newest one – there was one – Last week was really, really good, like the best one. It was basically a, 
feedback, customer feedback. So good. Hey, this is Paul. Uh, this wraps up this week's episode of Montreal Sauce. Uh, our guest today was Christian Day. Uh, you can find him online at christianday.net. And of course, you can find myself. Uh, I am at Paul D on Twitter or at uh, my general web presence at uh, padizio.com. My general web presence being the thing that you can open on Christmas, I guess. Um, or you could uh, go search for Sick Days, which is Chris, S I K K D A Y S, on Twitter and his blog, sickdays.com. And we'll catch you next week. Thanks. Bye.